everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode number 520, being recorded on a very spooky Wednesday, October 31st, 2018. Ooh. I'm your host, Jim Tannis. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrus. I'm Alan Malventano. And I'm Ken Addison. All right. Yes, we are. It's Halloween here, so we're very happy that you could take a break from the uh, trick-or-treating and uh, binge drinking and whatever else happens to join us uh, this evening. Uh, we do a podcast every Wednesday nights uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. No, 7 p.m. Pacific. Just make that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and you can join us here at pcpro.com slash live or to, to join us live. Or you can listen to it later by going to iTunes or any place that podcasts are cached. I think we're we're searchable there, right? Sure. Well, all the major, all yeah, the major platforms. Probably. Probably um, definitely. Or or you can get easy access to them at pcpro.com slash podcast. Right? Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, go to twitter.com slash Ken underscore Addison. That's oh, no, the editor that. in chief. Yes, please don't do, do that. that. But make sure you got the right one. Unless you want to talk about Jesus. <laughs> don't <laughs> include that underscore. Underscore. Yeah, the no underscore Jesus. is key. Uh, or if you want to talk to the site in general, uh, uh, twitter.com slash pcper. Uh, also, if you want to know when we go live, we, we'll send out a notice. Usually we, we remember, but we'll send out a notice a few minutes before we go live uh, for this show, but also for our unscheduled stuff. If we have special guests come in, if we're going to do a uh, PC build or have any other type of event, you, uh, you'll be noticed or notified that we're about to go live. And you can sign up for that list at pcper.com slash subscribe. Uh, and that's all we use it for. We don't. You know, it's it's just a plain text email. It's very simple. We don't sell it. We don't use it for marketing. It's just to let you know when we go live. And you do want to check that out because sometimes we have giveaways and other special things that are exclusive to those live events. So uh, be sure to enter there. Uh, also, you can uh, support us uh, at PC or excuse me at Patreon.com slash PC per. Uh, and we need to change that graphic. I don't know who that yes, guy is do. in the middle there, but he's gone. Some poser. What guy? We had that one from last week that came in that we really need to substitute. Yeah, we need to get picture. in there and switch yeah. that out. But uh, it's a uh, Patreon. I'm sure you all know is just a, it's a way for for creators to get direct support from their their customers or their viewers or however the situation may be. So if you have a few bucks you want to throw at us to help us continue uh, doing what we do here, uh, check that out. Patreon.com/slash PC Per. We'd really appreciate it. And we need to find a way because Ryan used to say that if you increased your pledge or yeah. became a new pledge during yep. the show, he'd read out whatever you put in the name field, which often resulted in hilarious outcomes. Yeah, we just um, need to switch all that. Yeah, we, we need to make Jim say it. Yeah. Right, and I will, I will say anything. I'll say, say anything, anything for money. For money. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll hold you to it. Yeah, uh, so we got to figure out a way, right? Because those are set to go to Ryan's phone, so we got to get that switched over. So yeah. uh, I don't want to say don't pledge. Pledge a little but bit and then pledge. increase it next week, <laughs> and then we'll read it out. You should pledge now with the caption, hey, Ryan, transfer this thing to Jim. <laughs> right. Right? So he'll just get bombarded with those, and exactly. then I'm sure he'll remember after the 50th. Or- I think he's got... Well, it, I fully expect him to just be walking around randomly or sitting around in his underwear, and his phone's going to ring, and he's going to be like, okay, so blah, 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 blah. Yeah. He just reads it out loud. Like yeah, his, his wife's his wife's like do. his wife's like, What are you talking about, Ryan? He's like, sorry, force a habit. I yeah. just I mean, because I think know. he's got him set up his push notifications through the Patreon app. So yeah. actually if you wait a couple weeks and he's gonna be at some corporate meeting at Intel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's money well spent, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Also, one of the things our Patreon helps us do is the mailbag. It's the weekly mailbag. We haven't had an episode uh in a couple weeks because it's 
some changes that we've had here. And uh, when I went to sit down this week, a lot of the questions were very Ryan specific. They were questions directly addressed to Ryan or they were questions about things that, you know, just they, they just seemed like he would be the best person to answer them. So what we'd like to have you do, we're going to continue to do this mailbag, um, but uh, if you could go to uh, Twitter or go to our the most recent mailbag on YouTube and uh, ask questions to Josh, to Alan. We've never had Ken do one. I think it's time we make him that Ooh, seems unlikely. Uh, okay. Well, if you have a question for Ken, we'll, we'll make up an answer for you. Uh, so please, uh, please do that, and we'll get back on track with those uh, mailbags. Uh, again, apologize. The way that things happened, it was very quick, and so we just didn't have time to, uh, to, to get everything uh, in order uh, before now. So, uh, And then also, finally, of course, joshtech.com, which is our merchandise store. Uh, you can uh, buy T-shirts, mugs, posters. Featuring all of our favorite slogans, we've got, of course, uh, if you were here for the pre-show, if you joined us at pcpro.com slash live, you saw Josh showing off uh, his pose that he used when this portrait was made. Uh, and so you can uh, you can go here, get a great shirt or cup or anything. And, and Ken, do you have the cup? No, you don't have it this week. But usually we show off a, a yeah, demo. Yeah, it's in the wash. But uh, it's a great way to uh, get something neat. And also uh, we get a little bit uh, of a cut of the sales there. So appreciate that. Uh, jumping into the show, though, we've got a couple big reviews. Last week, we had the Intel uh, processor review. If I could click this button. Uh, and this week, we've got some additional Threadripper models. So I'm calling this October the trifecta. Mm-hmm. We've had a NVIDIA, Intel, and now AMD major product launch. Yeah. So it's been really great for my sleeping schedule. But You, you, look, you look fantastic. You don't look <sighs> depressed that's, and strung out at all. That's a lie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so AMD kind of... This is this is an odd situation because back way back in September, August actually is when they announced the Threadripper 2950X and 2990WX, the 16 and 32 core parts, which were reviewed later that month. Uh, at the at the same time, they also announced the 2920X and the 2970X, the 12 and 24 core variants, which are the ones that are just now coming out this week. So it's been kind of a weird delayed launch, like the. 32-core version was available first, and a couple weeks later was the 16-core version, and now we're finally filling out the rest of the Threadripper line. I don't really know what the cause of that is. I, I think... This is like the... It seems like every manufacturer is doing that this year. Yeah, I guess you get more press if you just draw it out. Like, yeah. th- this was, this just started happening this year, didn't it? Yeah, no, for the most part. Yeah. And in, in a similar vein, if you look at the specs here, comparing the 2990WX to the 2970WX, you can see that everything but the core count is the same. The clock speeds are the same. And the same goes with the 2950X and the 2920X, which is an unusual thing. Usually yeah. the bend part with fewer cores has a slightly higher clock speed yeah. because, I mean, you're lighting up less silicon at that point. You're not like you should be able to either have a lower TDP or higher clock speeds. That isn't the case here. Same TDP, same clock speeds, which is kind of an interesting thing, maybe pointing to this really just being a disabled on purpose part, because I imagine the Zen dies, the Pinnacle Ridge dies at this point are probably pretty good, pretty well binned. Mm-hmm. They've been making them for a while now, and there doesn't seem to be a massive issue with that. Also, the, the cache being the same. I think they did this last year, too. But, but yeah. you know, with Intel's parts, usually as you step up that ladder, the cache changes. And yeah, uh, AMD is keeping it consistent between these. I mean, obviously not between the 16 and the 32, but, yeah. but these, these new parts 
share with their their counterparts yeah, the same cash flow. Yeah, you can loans. actually see that on this chart. The 7980XE has 24.75 megabytes of cash, mm-hmm. which is odd. So how how's it uh, how's it perform? Uh, well, there's one more thing to talk about that you're scrolling past. Is it's Oops. a software launch essentially? MD is launching a soft launch or software launch? Software. They actually to? did post the they actually did post the software on Monday, so you can actually download this uh, into oh. the Ryzen Master Software, which is kind of AMD software for controlling overclocking and different settings for these Zen processors. Uh, there now exists a mode called Dynamic Local Mode. This only exists on the WX SKU processors, so the workstation, the 24 and 32 core Threadrippers, which, if you look back to the original review, were the ones with the odd memory configuration where each die, each core doesn't necessarily have access to memory. It might have to hop across Infinity Fabric to a memory controller. And we talked about that in the initial review and how that whole had certain performance implications. You had higher memory latencies, which really affected some applications, especially if they were very dependent on memory bandwidth. Uh, and dynamic local mode is an attempt to solve that. So it's a piece of software. It's a Windows service that essentially is trying to trick the Windows scheduler into doing what it wants. So it's looking at all of the processes running at any given time and trying to dynamically reassign CPU affinity to make sure that those processes are running on cores that have direct memory access. It's just kind of shuffling things that the Windows scheduler is doing it, trying to make it more optimized for this non-traditional memory architecture, we'll say. Because if you look at like Linux performance on these WX series parts, it's a lot better story than it is on Windows because the Linux operating system, Linux kernel, is a lot more optimized for these non-traditional memory types. So that's kind of a thing to look at here. We did all of our benchmarking with uh, both the 2990WX and 2970WX in both modes in the charts that you'll see coming up. So couple of additional data points to take a look at how that affects all of our testing, including gaming. So I would like to point out that picture you just went past, Jim, on the previous page. That's like two pounds of chips. <laughs> Not light, for it, sure. I, I think we, we measured them, and they were each like a third pound. <laughs> a third pounder? Yeah, they're like a third pounder. That's two pounds of metal. They're beefy chips. Yeah, they are. say. I like my chips beefy. They also go through a lot of heat sink compound. Yes, they do. <laughs> my yeah. Gosh. Thanks, Nokia. Yeah. Send us some more. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Are there a particular test you want to highlight or just go through them all? Or? Uh, I mean, we could just kind of quickly go through them all. Uh, 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 pretty much a pattern emerges here. So if you take a look at single thread performance, uh, Intel wins. Intel has always won single thread performance. Nothing has changed here. This is a known quantity. It's essential. I mean, we took a look at the second gen thread upper CPUs, and these are just different core count versions. So everything mm-hmm. scales pretty linearly. You have the same single thread performance we saw in the 2700X and the 2950X and 2990WX here again with not much of a change. So it doesn't really change the, the story in that regard, but. If you look at sort of the 12-core option from AMD at, what is it, 649 versus the 10-core option from Intel, the 7900X, at $1,000, 
you start to get some interesting performance comparisons. Uh, if you go to the next page, actually, you can see, uh, where was it? The, yeah, the only real exception is handbrake. So if you scroll down the hand, handbrake, and this can probably be explained by sort of Intel software optimizations, but look at the it, the X265 number, so the top lines of the chart, where the 2970WX took 459 seconds, and even the 9900K was 15% faster than it at 381 seconds. So there's kind of, there are still some maybe software optimization problems with Zen. I mean, this is using the X265 encoder, which is a very common thing, but you don't have the same sort of AVX512 instruction set that it is likely utilizing. So there's still some downsides there. But if you if you scroll down and look at like the V-Ray benchmark, something that scales really well with cores, you see just the raw advantage, the higher core count on the AMD processors. In, in, in general, AMD tends to make up their single thread, their lack of single threaded by having higher core counts, which has kind of been the entire story about Ryzen in general. Uh, I need you to format future charts, keeping in mind what I can fit on the screen at once. Nope, <laughs> not possible. Uh, well, and your and your workloads here, the the ones where Ryzen just stomps Intel, are the the easily paralyzable mm-hmm. benchmarks. Ray tracing. I mean, you have more cores, you cast more rays. Yeah. H two six five. There's a lot of temporal data going on, and having that looser cache locality really hurts it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, if you look at gaming, uh, we can hit that real quick. Again, gaming. Not a whole lot has changed. We have about the same gaming performance as a twenty nine fifty X or a Ryzen seven twenty seven hundred X because. It turns out most games aren't very heavily threaded. Now, uh, if you go down and look at like GTA, which is a very heavily threaded game, you can start to see some advantage of these new parts over existing thread rippers and other designs. But if, and DLM shows up more in that one too. Yeah. So it was a there are odd trade offs between dynamic local mode. There's no clear winner of whether you should keep it enabled or not. Even across games, like from title to title. It mm-hmm. helped in some, it hurt in some, it didn't make a difference in some. It's very wishy-washy about when you should enable it and when you should disable it. Yeah. Luckily, now, it's just a software switch. You don't have to reboot to enable it. It just it stops the Windows service, so you don't actually even need to interact with the Ryzen Master software. You could just go to Task Manager and stop the service. I, I did that a couple times, and it worked fine. But it requires a lot of play and isn't exactly as clear as the performance benefits they were showing in the initial charts of like 80% better gaming performance. I didn't see any of that. Are, are there any cases where DLM hurts performance? Yes. Uh, so gaming in particular. So like if we look at shadow of the tomb Raider, if you go up a couple of charts, yeah, here see 108 to hundred frames per second with DLM enabled, you know, 8% performance is a pretty decent chunk to be losing due to this sort of software management behind the scenes. Well, and having it be software, though, room for improvement, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it will get better. I think ultimately these changes will probably be rolled into Windows at some point. 
Yeah, Hopefully. I mean, I've seen reactions. You know, some people blame AMD, some people blame Microsoft. You know, and it, it is it's because of the stark difference between Windows and Linux performance. It's yeah, because it works better on Linux. Yeah, yeah. so it's some somebody's to blame, and and and. Is it a thing they both need to work on? You could blame, yeah, it is something they both need to work on. You could blame AMD for designing something that doesn't work well on the operating system, right? Because the operating system is kind of a known quantity. You could test against that, and they decided to productize this despite the disadvantages. But you could also blame Windows for not being able to adapt to these different memory architectures, which they should probably be able to do. There's no way Microsoft didn't get pre-release silicon yeah to test with True. oh yeah yeah it's just a matter of how quickly can they uh, push out a kernel well, they tried to test it, but it kept deleting the files that they were testing <laughs> so it just didn't yeah, yeah. yeah every time they extracted the archive amd sent them it deleted yeah. it i don't know right. i have no idea yeah, how that would happen it's tough in and, general the gaming performance looks good uh if you remember back a couple of months ago there was that nvidia driver patch that kind of fixed 32 core performance in most of the applications and that same fix applies to the 24 core part here so i mean it's not the world's fastest gaming cpu like the 9900k can technically claim but it's fine yeah i mean if you have multiple if you have large multi-threaded workloads and yeah. you, and, but you then want to also game occasionally it's not going to you're not going to be yeah. in a world of hurt in most it, it, except for the occasional title like total war warhammer 2 for some reason the threadripper the wx series parts just chug on uh far cry 5 saw a pretty big performance hit but i mean those are two titles out of the 11 or 12 mm-hmm. that we tested so you shouldn't buy this as a gaming first processor or at least right. the WX parts. Well, I mean, nobody has ever yeah. made that argument. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think we can go ahead and move on to power consumption, which is a not very interesting story because they have the same TDPs as the previous parts, the 32 and 16 core parts, and the power consumption follows. So we can move on from there. Power consumption is still higher on these parts than the Intel parts they compare it to. Uh, overclocking, uh, we only had time to put the 2970WX through. We got to 4.1 gigahertz all cores at a voltage of 1.4 volts. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> it increased the power draw from the processor by 260 watts. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you're a lot gonna of need, hungry mouths to feed. On you're going to need a hell of a hell of a 12 volt rail there and two EPS connectors on your motherboard and all of that to get that sort of power draw through it. But I mean, surprisingly good. It's about again about the same as we saw from the twenty nine fifty X, which brings us to the value proposition. Now these are probably conclusions cheaper than could, an XE. Yeah, these are conclusions you could have come to without even really looking at the benchmarks for these parts because they're just core disabled versions of parts that already existed. But in general, I think the twenty nine twenty X is an amazing value at six hundred fifty bucks. You're getting this entry to the Threadripper platform. The X399 motherboards are going to be more expensive, but TR4 is going to be a socket that will very, very likely be supported longer than an Intel socket. So you'll probably get the 7 nanometer version next year and maybe a refresh of that the year after. So you're going to have options. This is an entry into that platform. You get the more PCI Express lanes. I think if you're looking at the 9900K and you can't get in stock now and it's not selling for the 500 bucks, if it's 580 bucks, like you should look at buying one of these instead because you're going to get that multi-core performance. The single-core performance isn't as good as the 9900K. Like, the thing 
that thing clocks up to four seven on all cores and is has the Intel single threaded advantage, but you're not you're not gonna notice. Yeah. But you are gonna notice if you need to run a heavily threaded application at some point. So I think I think you get the twenty nine twenty X. I think you get over the twenty nine fifty X. I don't think the extra four cores really buys you anything. No. For the what's it like uh the how much is the 2950X? I'm blanking. Uh, about 900 Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking, what, 250 bucks more expensive? 350 Like, I know the 2950X is, is 900 bucks. Okay. So, so 250 bucks more expensive? Save yep. your money. Buy the 2920X. And it's, you're going to have one hell of a machine. Yeah. Now, I think the 2970X has a similar proposition value. I think if you need... More cores, the $500 price difference, you should get it over the 32 core part. Unless you're absolutely just building a render box that is going to render 24 7, that's all it's going to do. You know it's going to absolutely take advantage of the additional cores. Just get the 24 core. Like for the, for the savings, it's, it's a hell of a value. Like yep. if, you, if you, yeah. You could take that money and buy faster RAM. Yeah. Buy a better GPU, right? Yep. Like, yep. Faster RAM makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, absolutely take take your savings and and buy ddr4 3400 or 3600 that'll work with right like get some really fast memory turn on the xmp profiles and have what hell of a system yep. it, it, it is it's incredible to think we're talking about core counts <laughs> yeah that a couple of years ago <laughs> it's kind of gotten out of hand hasn't it were, i mean yeah. i remember there was a, a a linus tech tips video where he went to some data center and he ran cinebench on some like insane four processor box uh-huh. four processors multi-cores per processor and he showed the windows task scheduler and oh my god well this says yeah the 2990 wx has more than whatever that was yeah i mean it's the point where the if you go to test manager and look at the cores it's percentages instead of yeah they the just, chart they yeah they just give you numbers them anymore. <laughs> yeah i mean the, these processors are pushing st- stuff forward so much and i, I bet josh has some thoughts about sort of the value these provide because you guys you you built you built a twenty nine fifty x machine for work didn't you or was it a nineteen fifty x didn't you build I think it was a nineteen fifty x it was last year and but, yeah the value proposition of these are are tremendous especially when looking at the competition and uh, how AMD is kind of slotting this in and and at six hundred fifty bucks to have a it's twelve core twenty four mm-hmm. thread that's correct mm-hmm. yep. That's pretty fantastic because what 120 bucks less you get the 9900 which you know like you said is faster, but on everything eight core 16 <laughs> yeah. thread so you're you're giving up some some threadage there. It's um, you know, AMD's doing doing well here. I mean the 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 good thing about the Zen processors they seem to yield well, and at 180 watt to 225 watt TDP AMD's got some got some area to kind of experiment with and and we're we're benefiting from these experiments. So they've got, you know, good yielding processors and dies, they can do all kinds of things with them, they can create you know, different uh, value levels and uh yeah, it's 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 fantastic. I wish they'd do better quarterly, but you know, they've, yeah. they've still got some yeah. uh they've still got some work to do in terms of IPC and and overall efficiency. Sure, absolutely. But also, but just look. pure raw performance and price. Yeah, now, now, it's now, hard to beat that. Part of the caveat here mm-hmm. is 
Intel has announced the successors to the like the 7900X and 7980XE and the ninth gen processors, but they're just clock speed bumps. It's yeah, the same, same stuff. It's, it's Skylake. Yeah. So it'll X be and, it'll be very yeah. interesting to see if they if the clock speed bumps because they're actually fairly substantial. We're talking like five, six, seven hundred megahertz on a lot of this stuff. See if it can make up the difference of lacking two cores kind of across the board. Yeah, having Intel stuck at fourteen nanometers for so long now <laughs> is not catching great. up with them. Yeah. 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 You know, have you ever given Alan just free reign over a 64-lane PCIe Threadripper to well, do we got storage one running, stuff? Running Plex in the back room. There. Yeah, actually, it's yeah. A, we we have a storage server. Yeah, and slash Plex slash kind of everything yeah, server. That's the 1950. Yeah. Was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, actually, you can take a look at. Uh, you can get an idea of what something like that might be like. Um, if you take a look at the iometer page, oh yeah, actually in Ken's yeah. review, um, which is kind of a test that we concocted really quick, we're just like, hey, let's get an idea of uh, how how do these different CPUs handle storage? But it's more at the kernel level, so we're not actually testing uh, a storage device; we're just testing a RAM disk, um, and we're trying to see you know how do the different platforms get impacted by latency of basically like the kernel and all of the links in the chain that have to be met to be able to, to request an IO. Right. So it's basically, you know, what is the CPU bottleneck portion of this, uh, you know, basically doing this is, this is just a Ram disc, right? It's to a Ram disc. Uh, okay. it's doing 4k random, but it's basically 4k random, like wide open. Right. It's, it's not the something that's going to be a limiting factor really. Um, but there's a bunch of, uh, for any given I.O., there's a bunch of communication back and forth to the RAM, completely regardless of it being a RAM disk that we're talking to, right? There's a bunch of other, you know, you request something from a device, it gets put into RAM via DMA on the system, and then, you know, it kind of lets the, interrupts the CPU, let it, lets it know, hey, your data's ready, like, now you can get it, and there's, like, more access to the RAM that happens. So, uh, Threadripper, generally speaking, uh, sees a hit here. Right, so if you look at just just look at these numbers. Once you start hitting the core i nines, and do we have core i sevens in this? No, they're just i nines. No. So when you go basically from Threadripper slash Ryzen to Intel, it almost doubles, or actually it more than doubles, depending on which comparison you're making. Uh, as far as you know, you just your raw maximum IOs per second for one thread. Well, just um, just look at the Ryzen seven twenty seven hundred X and how much faster that is than. The other thread rippers. Do yes. you think that's just that's just the, the fabric that's yes. causing some major that, slowdowns? That, that's because it's less of a mm-hmm. chance that those requests are having to make the extra hop across the fabric, right? Not just the request itself, but multiple steps of that request would have to potentially make an extra hop across the fabric, just depending on you know does it does it ha- just happen to be running on this other thread at that moment? That's you know has to. You know, make extra hops across, yeah. right, and to I get mean, to the RAM. A, a lot of the time you spend storage on your system, if you're not copying files, is QD1. So this is actually a pretty important thing to look at. Yes. Actually, if you look here, dynamic local mode kind of kills the storage performance because I imagine it just can't keep up with the thread hopping for yeah. that, that Windows is doing. It kind of backfired on it and it, it made it worse, in fact, right, where you might have thought that it could have made it better, but it, it didn't in practice. 
Um, so that'll give you kind of an idea of, okay, if you're trying to make yourself a storage server that you really intend to hit hard with like random access sort of stuff, uh, this is the kind of thing you're impacted by. If a single core tops out at like 150 or almost 200,000 IOPS, um, whereas the Intel systems are breaking 400,000 on a single core, that's kind of a significant difference. And it's going to, it's going to translate to higher latencies on Threadripper in general, right? Cause that's, that's what's translating to these IOPS, uh, figures here that that seems to be the general amd protocol more cores a little bit slower a little bit higher latency but you make up for it in the width that's true that's true but in this case we're talking if you're worried about uh single requests to your database Mm -hmm. right if you're running something that's more of a personal sort of thing on like a home server Mm -hmm. right that's not that parallelized of a load that needs to hit the storage with individual requests Right. Uh, and also, this also applies to just, just using a Threadripper platform with an SSD. Uh, this is something that unfortunately we, we don't test for and Ken doesn't test for in the gaming tests. But like, no part of those tests are how long did the game level take to load? Right. He's testing performance. What's your frame rate yeah. in the game? Right. Uh, so when you see uh, people that do testing like that, or if you see like a Sysmark kind of a test, and you see that Threadripper maybe didn't do as hot in like your responsiveness or your application loading, that this right here, these numbers are where that's coming from. So it's added latency every time you're hitting the disk or the, the you know solid state or whatever, right? Um, and that stuff adds up just depending on what you're doing. Um, now, if you're going to take a Threadripper and you're going to make like a big, you know, online transaction processing, like parallel database, <laughs> it's, it's handling a bunch of things in parallel at the same time. And, you know, all of the requests might have slightly higher latencies to them. But who cares? Because if you if you pile more on, they're just going to go to other cores, mm. you know, and they might take a little longer over there, too. But who cares? It's not really going to impact you know, because you have them running on separate cores. And just it's, making it's it up in volume. Yeah, you're making it up in, in, in parallelization. That's fine. But if you're trying to run a desktop type or a workstation system and you're going to use AMD's, uh, what's the name of their, RAID? RAID Expert. Yeah, if you're trying to use RAID Expert and just hook up a crap load of NAND, NVMe connected on all those lanes and try to get some form of a good array out of that, uh, number one, for the longest time, we tried to put a decent review together around that and never could because it was horribly inconsistent. Like we just couldn't, we just couldn't get numbers solid enough to, to consider valid to publish because we might get good numbers for five minutes and then you'd look at it the wrong way. And then the numbers would go to crap and we'd have to reboot it to get it back to normal again. And we couldn't figure out why. And it did it on two completely separate AMD systems, like two separate Two separate motherboard makers. Uh, we went through multiple BIOS revisions. There was yeah. all sorts of these. Like it was just, it was an enormous headache. Um, we did publish some numbers in a review, or like a comparison against Intel's VROC stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the we had to treat the Threadripper. Well, it wasn't Threadripper at the time. It was just Ryzen. We had to treat the Ryzen system with kid gloves to try to get good numbers that were good enough like passable to use 
whereas the intel system like it was just it was just ridiculous like i was able to i was able to rip through every possible testing configuration i wanted to without even rebooting the intel machine right like all in one yeah. all in one session i was just breaking raids rebuilding raids like just going nuts with the thing whereas sure. the amd machine took me like five times as long to do the testing just because i had to it was just you know such this thing and in the end amd was great in a straight line as you might suspect sequentials it was just it, it was just you know crazy fast it, that was good but when you got to the more nimble stuff when you got to the, your random performance your late the extra latency kicked in and you saw sure you know the the random performance so not, not something to consider with this platform because it has its it has its strengths and its weaknesses, so something to consider. But check out if you're interested. Check out the full review uh, yep. at uh, at PC Per, and uh, send all of your more detailed storage questions to Alan, that guy. That's uh, twittercom slash Malventano. Yeah, Malventano. Okay, Maltavino. If you can spell Maltavino. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, if Alan didn't bore you to tears just then, sorry. Here he goes again. He's got a review of the My Digital SSD BPX Pro. He's reviewed the BPX line, or he's talked about it quite. We've reviewed BPX. We've yeah. reviewed SBX. We've reviewed uh, basically all of their SSDs. We've mm-hmm. reviewed. Uh, they make they make good SSDs. Yeah, they they've, they seem to be a good good performance for the price. And now they've got a Pro line at two hundred forty gigabytes, four hundred eighty gigabytes, and nine hundred and sixty. And you tested all three. Yep. So let's quickly uh, take a look here. What there's there's supposed to be a two terabyte. Uh, there is one listed for them. Um, the catch is, I, I think it's like on pre-order if you wanted to get it. So you can consider this a full capacity roundup for the moment, but it's, you know, about to not be anymore. Um, so basically they're taking the Fizon E12 controller, they're coupling it with Toshiba Bix 3, uh, which is just, you know, TLC NAND, you know, uh, 3D NAND. Um, and, uh, I kind of ran out of slots to add comparison points, uh, I wanted to put, you know, more kind of budget drives for comparison in here. I wanted to put like a 660p and, you know, other stuff. But, but it fits on the screen. That's what's important. Well, what important. the other thing was I was trying to get the round of BPX Pros compared to the round of BPXs. Sure. Which is the prior uh, PCIe 3.0 by 4 SSDs out of them. Um, so... If you look at that, you can see how the, the original BPX is scaled as you go, went higher in capacity. And you can tell that there's an awful lot more room to grow here as you step through the three capacities of the BPX Pro. Right? You're, you're seeing an increase. It's not as big of an increase in the random read performance, but you're definitely seeing a, you know, a, a almost linear scaling there. Like it's just an you know, even uh, like a consistent uh, amount of an increase every time you, you double capacity there. Um, and, uh, of note on that chart is the random read and we focus on lower Q depths, not just one, but the, the ones you most commonly see in desktop use. Uh, so that BPX pro one terabyte, nine sixty gig there scored 35,000, uh, actually 35, five, uh, random read IOPS in our weighted scoring and the nine seventy Evo only scored 22, one. Uh, tw- 23.5. You have 23.5. You said 30, 35. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, 23.5 versus 22.1. So, long story short, like, it beat it. So, beating out the uh, mainstream competition there. Yeah, and, and in random rights as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in, in both factors there, beat out the mainstream competition drive of the equivalent capacity. 
now you go down to the next chart. That's just your sequentials. And now, yes, it's, it did manage to beat the 970 Evo in uh, sequential uh, writes, but not in reads. Fell behind a little bit. Um, and you can just you can just skip to the next one. Because basically that's... The, the, the comparison point here is, you know, focus on the equivalent capacity to the 970 Evo going back and forth. So we're looking at the top and then the second from the bottom. So now things start to fall behind a little bit. Uh, Samsung is able to keep very high random read performance in the face. Uh, well, it's actually burst sequential in this case because we're doing like game level load type workload here. Um, it's able to keep the read speed up in the face of background random writes, um, which is important. It's a mixed workload. Your desktop's not always only or not always uh, ever only doing one thing at a time. You might have like something going on in the background and you're trying to play some games or load some apps. And that's kind of what this workload's supposed to emulate. Um, so once you put that heavier workload on this, uh, it starts, you start to see a little bit of weakness there. Uh, read speeds, which is the important thing to look at, falls down a little bit. Corresponding with that on this next chart is how long did all of those reads take over the course of this test? And you can see that the 970 Evo still takes the cake there, you know, less than five seconds to do that total amount of reading during the... It's it's stretched out over a period of like a couple minutes here in this test, I believe. But uh, it's reading four gig total, and the total read time was less than five seconds on the 970 Evo. Uh, it was like 6.3 on the BPX Pro. Now, compared to the prior BPX, which was upwards of 12 seconds, uh, that's an enormous improvement, right? It's almost doubling, uh, or and um, almost doubling the throughput, and almost halving the amount of time you're waiting. And it's an awful lot of catch up to the leader here. Um, and for a drive that sells at $0.27 cents a gig, which is a significant uh, cut under what you would pay for a 970 Evo usually, although the 970 Evo has gotten cheaper lately, um, BPX Pro still comes in less. Now, there's other chinks in the armor here um, because you have... Uh, which which chart would you like me to? Any of them, it doesn't matter. Okay. So for when we do our write cache test, uh, what you expect to see is longer periods of high speed. In other words, the blue line should be high at the beginning for longer periods on the far ends of this chart. Because as you get to the middle of the chart, we give the drive less time to idle between writing another chunk of data. So... It was kind of confusing here because in some cases, uh, the BPX Pro was doing the opposite of what we, what we would have expected. Uh, it was almost like it was caught uh, still kind of doing garbage collection or just uh, anything that it needed to do after the prior tests. And, you know, it should have had plenty of time to clean up because before this test run begins, we give it a solid 10 minutes of idle time. Mm-hmm. That should be more than enough time for an SSD to clean up after almost anything you've done to it before. And we're not particularly hard on them up until this point in the test. So what um, is, the, what is this, this uh, behavior? How is, how is the user going to feel that in practical terms? Well, so the thing to consider is that all of the other results we've looked at so far are based on burst workloads at varying amounts of uh, the drive being full. 
And in all those cases, that it did well enough to score the scores that we see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those those tests are all intermittent burst type of tests. So for some reason, it was only when we were particularly kind of hard on this that it began to falter. So if you're if you really have a need to do large sequential writes and you're going to be dumping and realize you have to go at gigabytes per second here. But if you're going to be constantly dumping large files onto this thing, don't expect to get consistent cache uh, availability out of it. Sure. Right. Well, if you, at that point, you're looking at an enterprise drive. No, uh, even even budget SLC caching TLC or even in the case of like the Intel 660P and the Micron uh, P1 uh, QLC SSDs with SLC caches. Mm-hmm. Those, dri- if you go back and look at like the 660p review, there were large chunks across where it was going full cache speed. Mm-hmm. Even so during, is- it, you know, so this is sort of an inversion of that, right? You were right. getting, you were getting like hundred gigabyte worth of SLC writes, and then you gave it like five minutes to breathe, and then you can get like another hundred gigabytes worth of SLC writes. Mm-hmm. So whereas this one, we're only getting like. 20 to 50 gig and it was very inconsistent mm. right it was uh so it's it, very stuttery uh it's not stuttery because it just it just drops to the lower speed quicker mm. but then if you go back if you go back to the, to the chart really quick jim you notice that whenever it does drop to the slower speed it's a very steady line mm. so th- there would be no like perceptible stutter in the performance because it's writing at a steady gig per second once it does hit the slower speed right just still a very respectable speed absolutely that's the thing (laughs) right so if you if you have the 960 gig version of this don't even really worry so much about what i'm saying here about the caching performance if you never intend to have a source that can go faster Mm -hmm. than a gig per second because you're never going to hit the point where you even notice and 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 go hey why do i have to wait uh for this to finish Right. So, the so is, is this a controller issue or is it just big flash in general? This is more most likely a tuning issue for the for the controller. This doesn't mean that necessarily that the E12 has like this inherent issue or flaw, so to speak. It's just that you have to realize that the way that my digital uh, discount is able to do the discounts with these drives and put them out at such a discount is they're basically taking the they take the controller from the vendor. Whatever the configuration is from it, maybe they do a couple of slight tweaks, but they're not spending weeks and months doing qualification and validation and performance tuning of these drives. They're trying to put out you know, good quality flash, good quality controller without all the, the tuning up uh, and just get it out the door at a good price. Right, so and it seems that they they do that, and, and historically they absolutely do that, and including with this product, like you know this thing launched twenty seven cents a gig for most of the capacities. The only reason it's higher for the the two forty gig is because you know you're getting an SSD for seventy five bucks. Yeah, I mean right? we always see at those lower capacities you're not getting yeah. the best value. Yeah. You're, you're paying now. There's more of a margin, like you have to pay for the PCB mm-hmm. and the other parts at, at this much cheaper, yep. uh, much cheaper cost. So and, are are the the three capacities you tested are they available now? Yeah, yeah, I believe they're all available now. I you find them two on terabyte model. Um, two terabyte model was on Amazon, uh, but I think it said like they didn't list it as a pre order, but it was like ships on this date or something like that. I believe oh, it yeah. says it's shipping yeah. now. Oh, did it say shipping now? Yeah, wow, yeah, it might have. It oh, might have nice. been uh, you get a Friday afternoon. Yeah, and I mean, you know, five hundred twenty bucks for two terabyte. That's NVMe, a good like yeah. that's you fast. Mean, you mean nineteen hundred and twenty gigabytes. 
Uh, well, right. yeah, yeah, I realize it's it is like the, an entire but, SSD worth of capacity. <laughs> <laughs> just, just jumping in here, but the PCB on the Which 240 one? and the 480 is different from the 960 and the 2 terabyte, right? Yeah, scroll up near the top of the article, Jim, where I had the... There you go. So from top down, it's 240, 480, 960. But I'm showing the back of the 960 and the back of the 480 there. Uh, yeah, so that's where you see the the changeover from the middle to the bottom there where the you know so the 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 smaller two capacities are single-sided pcbs but then they have to start putting chips on the back uh not just flash but also an extra dram chip to handle the ftl of you know just managing uh that extra amount of uh flash that's there which by the way not DRAMless ssds also worth noting usually budget ssds are DRAMless where they don't have they don't have DRAM installed in order to be able to help manage the flash more quickly uh, and and get higher IOPS. These are these SSDs have DRAM. They spent the extra money on that DRAM and are still able to offer this at a budget. So, you know, might not. Have op- they ever offered uh, firmware updates for for my digital SSD? Firmware updates for NVMe SSDs, just in general, it's not a big thing. Right? Well, I mean, like, you know, Samsung has done it, and I've updated some of theirs yeah but yeah samsung does it um i i i actually i'd have to go back and look but i haven't seen one come across and that they've never reached out to me and said hey we did this you know we did this update so they, they, they haven't like they did a couple of times but like we're talking 2014 with and s9 controllers like yeah i think that was that was the point where like what was coming out of Fizon wasn't necessarily fully baked even when they launched their controller. So they might have had like, you know, hey, this might this might brick on the system in this weird oddball case with this base firmware. You should just update this. So they probably pushed it out. But again, they're not really performance tuning or tweaking. But then again, nobody really does. Even when Samsung does their updates, unless it's a bug, you don't usually see performance increases. You know, it's usually just for... Uh, added compatibility with some particular kind of hardware mm-hmm. config as compared um, to like 10 years ago when firmware updates could have a significant <laughs> yeah they know, used to be they used to be very large uh you know very large performance deltas just from firmware that but that was back in the day when these things were you know people were still trying to figure this stuff out um now great i will say that this particular config could probably stand to benefit from some firmware improvements particularly for the caching but again the caching was good enough to get through all of our regular workloads and still look pretty good. And those workloads are designed to emulate your regular, like you're just sitting at your computer using it. So if you're just using it like a regular person, you should see the performance that we saw. Yep. So um, a really good choice and uh, really competitive pricing. Again, that's uh, uh, 75 bucks for the 240, 130 for the 480, 260 for the 960, and five hundred and twenty dollars for the two terabyte nine, or nineteen hundred and twenty gigabyte <laughs> model, uh, all available apparently now at uh, at Amazon. So uh, check that out. Gave it a, Alan gave it a gold award. Uh, really good drive, except in the scenario where maybe you need to dump a bunch of data at a sustained high speed uh, at that you know sustained two and a half gigabytes per second or something. But otherwise, yeah. really great choice. So that's the My Digital SSD BPX Pro M.2 NVMe SSDs. All right, uh, moving on. We've got a review from Lee. Uh, it's a power supply. It's the Cooler Master Master Watt 650 watt power supply. This is a budget model. Um, it, I think the price is like it was sixty dollars. 
um, it's gold. It's it's uh, it's gold rated and it, it exceeds uh, gold certification. Mm. He you noted. don't see gold a lot anymore. Right. Or, I'm sorry, did I say gold? I meant bronze. It's bronze. It's bronze. Yeah. Uh, bronze rated, and it does exceed that. But and he notes, you know, it's it's hard to in 2018, late 2018, you don't see that rating. They're usually more efficient. Uh, the caps are rated. I think at 85C, so a little low there, but but sufficient for what you'd use this for at this price and its capacity. It's semi-modular, um, so uh, you get uh, you get uh, some accessory cables and a couple PCIe uh, 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 ports or plugs, I guess. Um, and it's got a semi-fanless mode, so it takes the fan down to 15%, which he said was basically inaudible. I mean, he had to really use a control environment to hear that. Um, but he, he overall gives it a, a positive review. Um, if I could, whoop, that's, I'm sorry. I can't operate this trackpad very efficiently. <laughs> we, we can get you a mouse. I we had a mouse there. have a mouse at nope. some point. <laughs> so, um, no. so he says it is $57.90 street price right now. So just under wow. 60 bucks. That's a good price for 650 Watts from a good brand. Yeah. Uh, you know, it says it's, 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 uh, it, it meets its power ratings, quiet operation, good voltage re- regulation. Um, the the fan that it uses to cool, even when it's not in its its quiet mode, is still uh, relatively quiet for its size. Semi modular, five year warranty. But the weaknesses being, it is only eighty plus bronze, which is unusual. You seem you know everything's moving more efficient, and those caps are rated a little low. But again, within what you'd probably be using this for, uh, for sure. Uh, so check that out. It's it's the uh, the Cooler Master Master Watt 650 watt bronze rated power supply. Plus, that's just a good brand name. Yeah, Master Watt. Yeah, that's Master a nice mm-hmm. Master Watt. All right. Next up, we've got some news items. Uh, Jeremy jumped in here with some news that Samsung is being. We, we've been seeing these uh, uh, at the trade shows and in the concepts, but it looks like Samsung Samsung is close to actually launching bendable screen, phones, and apparently laptops, too. Hmm. Why don't you tell us about uh, this, Jeremy? believe it when I see it, because <laughs> yeah, they've been yeah. showing it this for years now. But they, it's... The fact that they're talking about spreading it out into laptops indicates that maybe they do have something here than more than just a, a slightly flexible phone screen. But... I don't know that we're going to be seeing it, you know, fold it up into a, crush it up into a ball and shove it in your pocket and pull it out and it works later on. Yeah. I mean, do, do you think they with, haven't, I'm sorry, go ahead. They haven't shown a working model. So th- th- this is the thing. It's like, we've been days away from the release of a bendable uh, display that never seems to arrive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the, I've, it's been years, decades, probably that since they did the con, some of the concepts, um, Microsoft had some some stuff I remember years and years ago. I mean, do, do you think in terms of laptops, like phones, one thing, sure. In terms of laptops, do you think that they'd be using a bendable screen for portability or would it be something more like just having a continuous screen from your keyboard up through the display without having to break for the hinge kind of thing? I think that's sort of the hope. Like they tried with the paper that just didn't do what we were hoping it did. Sure. Well, uh, uh, according to uh, the Inquirer, which I think also sourced The Verge, um, we should see shortly if these rumors have any uh, have any weight to them. Anybody else have any thoughts on this? Nope. Okay. Yeah, I I'll believe it when I see it. Just yeah, like yeah, I need to see it. That's I need true. To see it. Yeah, it's, I believe it when I see it is yeah. a good motto with stuff like this. <laughs> 
Uh, next up, we have uh, another news post from Jeremy uh, referencing a uh, motherboard review over at Hard OCP. It is a, an ASUS, Asus ROG Strix um, uh, motherboard, but it's the uh, the B series chipset. Uh, so it's got some limitations, but it compensates for those limitations with price, right? Yeah, and it's about 128 bucks, so super easy to pick up. But it's no, also no overclocking, right? Hmm? No, no overclocking was the the big. No, absolutely big. none, because yeah. that is what happens with the B series yeah. chipsets. So this is actually the motherboard that we used in that mini ITX build that we did two weeks ago. Oh, the one that was a professional embarrassment for you? Well, yeah, but yeah. the motherboard was great. <laughs> uh, and one of the things Alan specifically enjoyed was the M.2 heatsink. Ah, uh, yes. It's impressive, isn't it? Well, the thermal pad doesn't is only it isn't the length of the entire. Uh, yes, describe it is, what I'm describing. It is the correct <laughs> length as yeah. to only cover the uh, controller and possibly the RAM of most. NVMe uh, M.2 SSDs. In Which other words, is the right not, way to do it. It doesn't go the whole stretch. Well, it would leave the flash, uh, you know, not uh, heat sunk. Which, yeah, that's kind of like the way that it should be done if you want to increase the longevity of the and the in the endurance of the flash. Someone's so there you go. Listening, you want yeah. that flash to be hot, hot, hot. I mean, you know. So that seems to follow the theme with this thing. Is it's just something that you can build, give to somebody. There's not even anything they can really tweak to break it. Yeah. It's just solid. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been impressed so far with the testing we've been we've been doing in that case with that machine. I mean, I put an 8086K in it, and you know, it seems to be chugging right along. All right, so we've got a, a personal endorsement from Ken <laughs> and uh, the full review over at Hard OCP. Uh, so please uh, check that out if you're interested in an affordable um, uh, but limited uh, mini ITX board. Uh, next up, another news story. Uh, we've got uh, – this happened just after the podcast last week. It was uh, earnings release week mm, yeah. in the U.S. Uh, and so uh, we talked about last week uh, – Josh helped us uh, discuss AMD's results, which were uh, disappointing, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Intel, on the other hand, uh, at least on the on the balance sheet, has a, a fantastic quarter. They're on pace for another record year, uh, $19.2 billion in revenue, net income up to $6.4 billion uh, on the quarter. Yeah, that that nineteen point two. That's, <clears throat> I believe, their highest quarterly revenue ever. Yeah, <laughs> ever. So they're really struggling over there, then. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, uh, the ten nanometers really hurting them, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, no, I mean, you know, the the people have been always talking about the death of the PC market, the post PC world, and you know what? We just haven't seen it. I mean, AMD is growing much more slowly. Intel is making hand over fist type buckets of money. Um, then they're selling primarily desktop and mobile chips and they keep releasing new products, even though there's not a whole lot of difference between, uh, you know, what Intel does from generation to generation. And we're hoping someday that will, that will change maybe at the end of 2019. But, you know, as, as all of you have been saying, uh, Intel has had problems with their 10 nanometer process. And in fact, what we, at least what I understand, what I have heard is the 10 nanometer process that was, that was originally promised in, in, you know, 2015, 2016 timeframe. That's the one that was killed off. I think that the current, whatever they're calling 10 nanometer is, is something that they probably started developing in 
2016, 2017 in case this other one didn't work. And it probably, you know, from, from what I understand, <clears throat> it's not as dense. It's not as aggressive on the materials. It's a little bit more kind of traditional in, in what they're doing. And, uh, you know, it, it, in theory, it, it won't be, you know, the density won't be as, as great as what they originally planned. Uh, but probably all the things that they learned from banging their head against this this previous iteration, um, you know, I think it's going to be probably a perfectly fine process. But they're really late to the party. And they thought that they had a huge head start on everybody else, and then it just didn't work. But their 14 nanometer fabs are producing everything that they can. There's yeah. there's no downtime at those fabs. And so they're not, you know, paying out the nose for having downtime when they're not actually producing something for having a manufacturing arm. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're still, you know, AMD has not uh, gone over in terms of overall performance, even though their, their price is, is really, com- you know, it's, it's compelling. Uh, Intel still, has greater margins. They're 63, 64% consistently. Um, you know, it's, it's a kind of a top heavy group to kind of say the least, but you know, they, they, they keep hitting their, uh, their stride, even though they're limited on 14 nanometer, they're still tweaking designs. They're still tweaking the 14 nanometer process. It's 14 plus plus plus, And then, Plus, plus, plus is coming down the road. <laughs> um, it's goofy, but it's what we have. And uh, But, you know, the demand is still there. And they're selling parts at premium prices across yeah. the board. I mean, it's their platinum Xeon processors are $11,000 units. <laughs> I think it's on the low end, too. Yeah, that's that's one of the lower end. I mean, yeah. it's just... It's nuts. They're, they're making still a lot of money. Uh, data, data, data center... Mobile PC and and desktop PC still, I mean they're they're it's strong. So Intel made a lot of money. Their net income was like six point four billion, yep. which isn't that far off from the overall revenues of AMD for an entire year. Yeah, I mean it's really a tale of two companies in this in this this reignited battle. I mean because because for so long Intel dominated in performance and market share, AMD thankfully has come back and been more competitive in the last couple of years. Uh, but with a- Intel having a, a broader product portfolio, having the established market share in enterprise and consumers, uh, it allows them with these kind of numbers to weather these challenges like trying to get to 10 nanometers or having to you know rehash the same process and have less than, than ideal performance generation yeah. to generation. Whereas you look at AMD and they got to hit it and they got to nail it every year. They have no room for error. Uh, and it's you know it's exciting and it's interesting to see that kind of, that that comparison and you know AMD has had some some challenges I mean I think Vega is not what we all hoped it would be when we first heard about it uh, but their poor you know Ryzen has exceeded I think everyone's expectations um, the, just the Zen architecture overall and then looking forward to their their next initiative in GPUs um, it's it's it is, it is it is interesting I mean Intel has to make some changes or else this is not going to continue. Uh, Maybe they'll, yeah, hire, maybe they'll hire someone. A while now. Maybe they'll hire somebody who knows what he's doing. I don't know. Nah. Um, nah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it is it is something to watch. It's it's incredible to see the and then the record came in. Was it Q? No, it was Q three. 
July, August, September. Yeah, it was okay. It was Q3. Uh, yeah, Q3 and Q4 typically the strongest quarters. Sometimes Q4 is is a little bit better than Q3. Sometimes a little bit worse, depending on when OEMs buy uh, for the holiday shopping. And uh, yeah, uh, they could have another record quarter next quarter. Not probably by much. Yeah, it'd probably be a lot better and, if they could actually like you know produce and sell some nine hundred case. <laughs> Maybe that, that would probably be probably be a if only they for them. thought of that, Ken. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, I mean, I know their CEO did mention that they are expecting this to be again a record quarter, which would be three consecutive record, or sorry, a record year overall, which would be three yeah. Come on, let's years break twenty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all, speaking of money, but in a more approachable, better way, I sure, guess. Sure, I guess you could put it that way. <laughs> uh, EVGA listed. A 2080 Ti at at retail price nine ninety nine at the Nvidia starting at right price. The, right right yeah so this is the 2080 Ti Black Edition it, it was kind of silently listed on EVGA's website over the weekends for nine nine ninety nine as Josh would like to say of course mm-hmm. uh, this is at stock clock speeds so this is actually lower clock speeds by ninety megahertz than the Founders mm-hmm. Edition card. Because the Founders Editions are technically factory overclocked at this point. And there's been some scuttlebutt about this, some rumors that Intel, that there are two different versions of each Turing GPU. One is able to be factory overclocked and one isn't. And the one that isn't is the cheaper GPU they're selling to partners to put into the lower end products. This seems to give that some credence. Mm. However, this won't be locked for end user overclocking. So you could still download Precision x1 and then run the nvidia scanner and apply the overclock and still be at that same probably two gigahertz level that we see altering silicon hit so i mean that's not really a big deal out of the box overclocks usually aren't very good anyway it's usually still substantial headroom based i mean you know they want to be able to warranty this stuff and like silicon variability so they can't set it too aggressively but you can save 200 bucks 20 percent and i mean Thousand bucks is still an expensive graphics card, but but two hundred bucks a off. lot more right. reasonable than a twelve hundred dollar graphics card for the fastest gaming GPU. Still, mm. yep. So you know, uh, I don't. I haven't seen if they've updated the ship date on their website. It was just kind of on auto notify, so you could put your uh, email into the EVGA site. I imagine this will probably be hitting in the next couple of weeks. Now, with uh, with limited supply to begin with of this whole platform right i mean sure and then uh issues with uh and we haven't been able to verify them but issues with reliability have been popping up on the forums people saying yeah that. and it's hard it's it, those are anecdotal reports it's hard to, it's hard to know mm-hmm. scientifically if this is if there is a problem with the rtx cards uh some people have tried to tie it to power supplies you know they're investigating hmm. that interesting but i wonder nah, they're all huff and helium yeah <laughs> i wonder uh how many of these are they going to have to buy? When that auto-notify switches over to yeah. buy it now, are we going to run out immediately? Uh, I hope not. I mean, yeah. RTX, if you want to spend the money, spend the money, my God. But but at least to get back to those starting prices would be a real good step forward for adopting this this new platform. Yeah. Yeah, the whole RMA issue is odd and difficult. And I've been doing some digging. I don't really have anything to report on. It's just... Yeah. A bit early right now, I think. Yeah, yeah, there's not really enough solid information. There are obviously people that are having RMA these cards, and it seems probably a little heavier than normal, but 
not enough for anyone to really tell if there's a widespread issue. Come on, it's said social media. Yeah, mm-hmm. anecdote. There was a there was a, there was a, there was a statement. Data there was a statement from all. I don't remember if it was EVGA or NVIDIA uh, that basically they just said like there's not really a huge we're not seeing like a huge spike mm-hmm. like well, uh, you know above what above what we sure. would expect for you know percentage of yeah. uh, infant yeah. mortality right. kind of whatever I mean, we, well, we haven't seen that is exactly what they would say yeah well yeah, right. i get it i'm just saying like you know <laughs> yeah i don't know we we haven't seen any issues with ours although granted ours are not we're running, running ours way less than yeah. someone who's actually gaming on it because yeah. yeah we ran our tests and we finished and now they're in some systems now but but it's not like we're yeah. pushing them every day all day long um and also, tr- and I mean, if with- Scott's computer had ever worked, we could get him to test. Oh yeah, Mike, I feel so bad. Scott, Scott's had been having a heck of a time trying to get his new build put together. Yeah, unrelated to this, I mean, just other issues like not having parts shipped on time, and then monitors not working, not having wires in all the way. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. it was a, it was a Canon <laughs> Allen job. Yep. Hey, no, <laughs> <laughs> I think that literally applies. Um, another product here. We talked about the Cooler Master Power Supply earlier. We've got a Cooler Master Cooler. Uh, Sebastian uh, wrote this up for us. It's the uh, the Hyper 212 Black Edition. So uh, they had this before, but it's silver, I think, right? Yep. And uh, so now you've got an option for a nice, slick black uh, heatsink with or without RGB. It comes in both options. Uh, and I think the price is pretty good. I think it's 35 bucks. Um, yes, yeah, it's forty dollars. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Or so no. Thirty-five right, so, for no RGBs. Right. Okay. Yeah. So forty forty dollars for the RGB. Thirty-five for the non. So, yeah, I mean, it seems to be the same price that the Hyper 212 Evo always hit, yep. which was a really it's damn a great good cooler. performer for the it's price. In my, it's in my home PC. Yeah. yeah, And we talked a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, air cooling, I don't want to say making a comeback because I think only the lunatics went with the water cooling, but <laughs> a lot of good reasons to do air cooling these yeah. days. It's, it's simpler. Yep. It's easier to troubleshoot. You don't when, risk- when, when people started doing the water cooling, part of the reason was air coolers kind of sucked. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, that's not the case anymore. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of awesome yeah. options. Um, I have all sorts of price points. And Yeah, exactly. And this is a really reasonable also, one. it looks badass. It's oh. a nice design. It'll, it'll blend into those dark, you know, dark cases. And you can... It's just that we're not scared to slap three pounds worth of uh, metal on top of a CPU anymore. Oh, I mean, yeah. I remember the days when Zalman came out with that giant thing that was the size of a hubcap. <laughs> uh, we, we've had... We've had uh, We've yeah. had options, but uh, good to see that one from Cooler Master. All right. Good. Talking about Intel again and, and uh, processors, uh, we've got uh, a, a story here, a rumor, I guess, uh, that Intel's looking to move some production to TSMC, uh, specifically their Atom uh, production and, and uh, some chipset fab fabrication. So is TMC, TSMC going to have any room? I mean, how many customers can they take <laughs> before they just run out of, uh, of space? They, they've well, I mean, still got plenty of uh, wafer starts at um, especially a lot of the older uh, process nodes. And, you know, it's not like whenever they <clears throat> create a new process node that they just transfer all the all the production to those. I mean, there's still plenty of uh, demand for their older stuff. And so with Atom, you know, it could be a 16 nanometer from TSMC. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to. And it could be their new 12 Nanometer as well. <clears throat> Just depends on what Intel wants to do. I mean, they're small chips anyway, so it, it doesn't doesn't matter nearly as much to have cutting edge fab tech on a lot of these lower power, you know, less 
complex processors. So, yeah, I mean, everybody's got fab space some way or other, except, of course, maybe TSMC's 7 nanometer. I think that that's probably pretty constrained at this point in time. Sure, sure. And, and Jeremy, did you make this Intel outside graphic? Oh, I stole it from an old uh, hacked piece of software. Nice. I like that. (laughs) It it was a, a crack to something. From Naturally. God knows how long. I just remembered that it existed and found it. Key gen music. But to, to clarify, oh, yeah. these are rumors. Uh, this is not, I don't think anybody's officially mm-hmm. said anything. I mean, basically, what happened was the, the rumors leaked out that Intel was looking to move production of these particular parts uh, uh, out, and TSMC is the only place that, can, that has the, the ability to manufacture those. So, therefore, they put two and two together. Uh, I think it was a Digitimes story, and we all know Digitimes has varying levels of. Accuracy, depending. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> so we'll keep an eye on it, uh, but uh, just a rumor for now. And uh, we've got uh, uh, some stories uh, related to Apple. Apple had some announcements uh, this week. This was not one of them, though. Uh, what we're talking about here is a quiet announcement that Apple is going to introduce without refreshing the product. They did not touch the MacBook Pro line at this uh, this week's announcement, but it looks like they're going to be introducing an option for Vega GPUs in the current MacBook uh, Pro line. Uh, probably the 15-inch only, though, right? Yeah, yeah, because the 13-inch don't have discrete yeah. GPU options. Uh, yeah. You think there are some Vega GPUs sitting in a warehouse somewhere? Possibly. <laughs> I mean, I, I wonder if there was something that happened that was causing demand that suddenly stopped. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was this was a paragraph in a press release about the new MacBook Air. Okay. Just odd. Yeah. But uh, but you know, good to see. I mean, I think the the current uh, the current configuration of the 15 inch MacBook Pro, you can get up to an RX 560. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be a nice little bump uh, for those uh, who need who need Although that. Although that 15 inch MacBook Pro design already has issues with throttling with both of those mm-hmm. devices turned no, on. They fixed that. Shh. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's true. Although, I mean, you could do, you could buy a thirteen hundred dollar external GPU. So, would Apple. you say that Apple is is really pushing the envelope with these new MacBook Pro designs? Are they really leading the way in no. the no mobile market? No, no, no I wouldn't. <laughs> I would not say that. Believe me, there's one in front of me, and I'd say no, they are not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the touch bar is the single stupidest feature yep. I've ever had on any product. I just don't, I just don't get it. But anyway, that's a story for another yeah. day. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you want to touch on from Apple's announcements this week? Uh, not they really. There's the, so the, you. <laughs> there are the MacBook Airs with the Core M, the seven watt CPUs, which is very disappointing to me mm-hmm. personally, as I was kind of waiting for a MacBook Air refresh with the. High resolution display and the 151 CPUs, like it used to be, but it's never going to be like it used to be. Sure. Uh, there are the Mac Minis, which have desktop processors in it. That's I think good. I figured out it was the i3 8100, the uh, 8600, and the 8700. I think are there other three SKUs there. So you have a uh, four core, four thread, six core, six thread, and a six core, twelve thread processor. Mm-hmm. In a small form factor with socketed memory. Yes. So thank, you can upgrade the memory. Thank God. On a Mac. four years. Holy crap. <laughs> so, I mean. Did they every, make that a point at the keynote? Yes, specifically? They did, actually. Yeah. Wow. So, so let me ask you this. Go right ahead. Do you think Apple is at the point where they're like, you know, iOS, 
we're happy with it. We like where it's going. But who needs more processing at this point? Developers. I, I, I think it's actually kind of the opposite. I think they were making that bet, and that's why they didn't refresh these machines. And then they realized that pros weren't upticking to – there weren't pro apps being developed on for iPad, and there weren't pros – there wasn't the uptick on iPad that they needed. So they kind of rushed these refreshes. In yeah, I mean they, when they you look, kind of shoved them in, especially with the Mac. Does books. it matter to the person standing in line at the Apple Store? Of course not. No, but there not is the a good contingent of customers who care, and and, yeah. and when you look at the price of how all these MacBooks come together now, it doesn't make sense. It's rough. It, it's it's very confusing of you know what the base price is versus when you start to spec them out and it yeah I mean Russ isn't is, it like going from a two hundred fifty six gig. Uh, NVMe drive to 512, something like 400 bucks. I think it's in their store. <laughs> it's, I, I, it's I a lot. I don't know. It wouldn't it surprise seems, us. Storage, it's ludicrous. Storage prices are very high. The RAM upgrade prices are more reasonable <laughs> yeah. than they've been, but still high than what you could yeah. get. You know, if you had user upgradable parts. Um, but but still, I mean, they're, they're and I I, I I would hope they're working on this just for their sake. But you still can't develop an iOS app on an iOS device. So as long as that is the case, yeah, they need to keep somewhat capable Macs on the market uh, to keep that ecosystem going. Uh, so you know, we'll take a look there, and and uh, maybe we'll find some way to get one of these Vega MacBooks in and see how uh, how thermals look. <laughs> That'll yeah. be an interesting thing to follow. People will be all over. You that. mean if Ken has a moment of weakness? No, no, no. <laughs> no. Don't not that me. week. Don't not make so me weak. do it. <laughs> All right. Well, that takes us through the news. It's time for the picks of the week. Uh, I believe Jeremy is up first with uh, something nostalgic. Well, I mean, Doom 2 is certainly nostalgic, but uh, the actual mod that they put out, Chaos, Total Chaos, which is a total conversion, is just perfect for today and was just released for Halloween today. Because honestly, when you look at it, it does not look like Doom 2, does it? No. Not really. <laughs> Doom 2, you say? It's yes. pretty friggin' impressive. You mean the, the sequel to 2015's Game of the Year? <laughs> what, what year did the, the new Doom come out? Something like that. Doom 2, you say? Yeah. yeah. Doom, Doom 2. Doom 2. Looks like this now. <laughs> what year? Hold on, hold on. Just put this in perspective here. What year did Doom 2 come out? Does anybody know offhand? Uh, 94. Yeah, it was what 90 could, something. 90, right? What could 94, possibly actually be left of Doom 2 here? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> the run speed? Well, was was Doom 2 source released? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Quite a, quite a while ago. Yeah, they released up through Quake. Quake they 4. They released it through Rage. Doom 3 source is out there. Yeah. 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 So this is a full up source update and total conversion well yeah yeah wow. looks well, pretty good definitely source that's awesome but it yeah. requires doom 2.wad of course <laughs> we'll check that out where you can download which it. i'm sure will be incredibly expensive if you don't happen to have it right <laughs> yeah. now yeah. uh check, check it out uh, over at the link uh, we'll link to it uh, it's at the zdoom forums but we'll have the link uh in the show notes uh for your convenience uh next up uh, this week we've got josh with his pick me uh, for some reason, I thought 
it prudent to buy a new center speaker since the last time I bought one was in 1994, You know, you know when Doom 2 oh, came out. Oh, Doom 2 speaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I ran it on there. No, it's an old Venturi uh, speaker is what I had. And this thing is a significant update. And it probably is more closely matched to my Paradigm mains than the old Venturi. But uh, it was on sale for... Well, it's the three hundred dollar part, and it's on sale for a hundred bucks. Wow, wow, hundred bucks! Yeah. I got to see the price in the cart, though. I hate that. Yeah, well, it's ninety nine ninety nine, but you got to add a, a a you know to get that price. Otherwise, it's one hundred seventeen bucks without the little special. Yeah, which still is significant. Yeah, lowering of price. But if you're on the uh, new egg, uh, you know, e blast. Uh, they they give you the ability to put in your email that is on the e blast, and you can then put in the code, and you're good to go. So, you know, if you're you're looking to slowly piecemeal your uh, your uh, stereo system, this is a nice place to start. Oh yeah, looks good. Yeah, thanks. Well, in, I, I like it's got the uh, the little bullet things in the middle of the cones. Uh, they're like the phase uh, something or other, but uh, my old uh, Logitech five point one speakers had had those damn things, and they sound really good for being as old as they are. And so you just ordered this, though you don't have it yet. Don't have it yet, but it was interesting, and it sounds supposedly sounds good. All right, well you have to let uh, us know. Yeah. Make sure I'll make sure we'll be sure to uh, let you know what weak products. <laughs> sure, awesome. Uh, and Ken, what have you got for us? So this is going to be completely unexciting to anyone who doesn't own a 3D printer. However, uh, I've been doing a lot of printing lately. I've been kind of working on a project on the side. There's a working Ford Flathead V8 model. You hook an electric motor up to, and it uh, actually, you know, goes through all the motions and and that stuff. Uh, so I've been using a lot of filament, and I've kind of settled on my best sort of compromise between value and really high quality stuff and that is the polylight from polymaker and polymaker makes a lot of great filament however the polylight line is i don't know probably about a year old and it only comes in a couple of colors it's like black gray uh it's like a red and a blue looks like there's a hot red white red clear actually so they've expanded a bit green yellow i that's actually really cool They've expanded it more since I've ordered some last, but it's really high quality stuff for 25, uh, 25 bucks for a one kilo spool, which obviously isn't the cheapest filament you could buy. You could find stuff for 12 bucks, 13 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, but it's really high quality stuff. The spools are spooled. Well, they're not tangled. The spools are actually of high quality. So if you want to do something with them afterwards, you can, they're actually like, like this. What is this? Whatever their sample it's is. Whatever they printed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So give it a look if you're looking for some lower end filament that is still really high quality. I've been impressed. Awesome. All right. Next up, uh, Alan. So uh, there's a Steam Halloween sale going on. Oh, is that why I'm getting so many emails? <laughs> that uh, items in my is car Doom are on, two on there. On yeah. Price? So if you so you probably already know this. If you had chances are if you had something in your wish list. Uh, like more than two or three things in your wish list, you probably got an email about this. Um, my email exploded because I'm one of those people who has a bunch of people, bunch of stuff on their wish, wish list that they haven't bought yet. 
And uh, it's awful tempting on a lot of things because it's like, I mean, there's some 25% offs, but there's an awful lot of like 50% offs and like 75% offs and stuff. Um, so yeah, which is rare for steam. Yeah. Nowadays. Yeah. It's rare for steam. Uh, I mean, there's an 80% off oh, like, Dark Souls you know, two for six bucks. Hmm. Yeah. There's, there's some pretty good prices there. Uh, and that sale goes, uh, it ends tomorrow, which is the first. So if you're, if you're watching us live, go check it out now. But like, if you're getting, if you downloaded this podcast, like right when it was posted, uh, there might still be some time left. Um, this, yeah, is, this is a good reason, a good example, real-world example of why <laughs> you need to go to PCPro.com slash subscribe. Because if you've gotten that email and you watched us live, yeah. you could save some money. But if you're listening to this like on Friday, you're oh, you're done. You're going to have I mean, to there's... pay full price for Bendy and the Ink Machine. Yeah. yeah <laughs> or at yeah. least wait till the Christmas sale. <laughs> I mean, there's some serious sales there. And there's some serious sales on some games that were already cheap. A lot of horror games. is just fun. Uh, like Amnesia the, and Soma. Yeah. Oh, Evil Within. I never played that. Ten bucks. Pretty good, yeah. Awesome. We'll check that out over at Steam uh, while you can. Ends November first. That's tomorrow after the day we're recording this. So, okay. And then uh, I've got to pick up a uh, pick that's uh, for the last one. It's a YouTube channel. It's a recommendation, I guess. Uh, it's called Space Doc. It's been around for a while. So, you, if you're a sci-fi nerd, you may have heard of this. But uh, I just discovered this a week or two ago, uh, and it's a, um, it's a it's a relatively small channel, 150 thousand subscribers. But the guy, the main guy who runs this, he's got a delightful British accent, and he goes through the whole point of this channel is they go through and they do discussions of various sci-fi topics. They'll analyze the tactics of a battle from uh, from Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> They'll talk about the feasibility of transwarp drive in Star Trek. They'll talk about uh, the space scenes of jumping in that cloud from the Solo movie, the Star Wars uh, movie that came out last year. Huh. Um, they, they'll they'll do comparison videos where they they kind of you know in, in an attempt to be serious because you know, these are fictional topics at least that's what everyone tells me it's not real Jim but they'll <laughs> they'll do like comparisons like if we can find some common ground between the technical manuals for these two universes how would the Enterprise D compare against an Imperial Star Destroyer <laughs> that kind of stuff they're taking that comparison seriously from the sounds of right it. and they don't joke around like it's it's a serious is they understand it's fake but but they're talking about yeah if we can find analogs to what to current real world physics or at least consistencies within those the physics of those worlds. How can we compare these things? And wow. then they do shorts where it's just yeah, topics that's cool. about so, that is a rabbit hole. So something to yeah. call out here, Jim. Mm-hmm. Scroll back on up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right in the middle, that force recon. Mm-hmm. That is a playlist they did uh, in collaboration with the Expanse team. Right yeah. there. Um, that's legit. It's this is what put these guys on the map about a year ago. Um, and this channel, again, I would also second this channel for anyone who's interested hmm. in this kind of stuff. Um, they go into very, very deep detail on all the intricacies they have information for. Collaboration with the guys making Expanse. Yes. This is That's just crazy. Yeah, the production values of all their videos are very good. Even the, even the short ones where they're just talking, they'll still put up nice graphics to... How does this channel only have 150k? Exactly. That's, that's, that was my big question. I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, right now we 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 need a soundboard with Homer Simpson yelling "nerd." No, <laughs> but, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was captivated after I found this. I'm first, and also I'm, I'm pissed at Alex for not telling me about this earlier. He knows I'm <laughs> I, a I, nerd. <laughs> well, fine. If you want, if you want some information uh, additional to this, there's also two more channels I can recommend. Uh, Isaac Arthur, Arthur, 
Arthur, um, who does the same kind of gist, but he's much, much more in depth. His videos are half an hour to an hour long each. Mm, wow. um, it's very in depth on a specific topic. And if you're looking for the comparison stuff, uh, Eckhart's Ladder. Uh, huh. That's his whole gist <laughs> is doing like Star Trek, Halo crossovers, and what would win kind of thing. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to check those out too. Uh, but mm-hmm. I hope you guys, if you're if you're into this stuff, check it out. It's it's. Uh, I mean, I've just been I've been watching hours of this channel over the last week, just captivating. Um, but again, it does feel like I'm watching a Star Citizen ad, though. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, sure, but there there there's a lot of different videos they do that are uh, different styles. Some are based on on animated like 3D battles. Some are just schematic comparisons. A lot of cool stuff to check out. So that's that's Space Dock over at uh, at YouTube. All right. Well, that's that's the show. Um, I just need to bring up uh, bring up my notes again. I'm <laughs> I'm just not used to this. How, did I, how to the this. heck did I get to this position? Uh, this is, just just give it. You just took it. Yeah. Give it. Give it 514 episodes, and you'll be right as rain. Okay. That was creepy. Yeah, that was creepy. Uh, you may not have heard that, but the Intel chime just chimed over in the corner of the room from one of the nooks with the box. Or the oh god. Anyway, it's Ryan looking at us all. Ryan just got his wings. Sir <laughs> Spirit was a Ouija. God. Uh, but uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, you can find all of our shows at pcpro.com slash podcast. Catch us live 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern on Wednesday nights, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcpro.com slash slash live. Uh, you can contact our editor-in-chief at twitter.com slash Ken underscore Addison. Again, uh, unless you want to talk about a Jesus. Twitter name. Or twitter.com slash pcper. Uh, but uh, thanks for, for joining us. Uh, we'll and, and get those mailbag questions in. We want to get that series going, but we got to get some questions that aren't addressed uh, to Ryan. So uh, go contact us on Twitter. At, you know, the PC per handle is probably the best way. Send us an email. Go to the YouTube page of the last mailbag. Leave a question there and address your questions to Josh, Alan, or Ken. Or Alex, too. I'm sure Alex would love to answer some questions. <laughs> Sebastian. Right? Sebastian. Maury. Uh, you know, whatever. Just not Ryan. Not that that guy. Um, Who's Ryan? Exactly. Trader. But thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week. <laughs>